Hey, this is Graybo from Northern California. There are many a fucking reasons why I don't listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Top of the list, I need more Brittany Page. Less tall fucking ginger. God damn, man. Act like you've been there. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome and thank you for joining us. Episode 347 of I Doubt It with Dollamore, your listener-produced, listener-supported podcast of choice. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, directly across from me, in view, out of arm's reach, but in view, my lovely, talented, scholarly co-host, Brittany Page. Just to warn you and everybody else, I think I'm getting sick. And so uh, it sounded a little froggy. I may have to clear my throat yeah, we're leaving repeatedly. Them in. No, I want them edited out. Nope. So get ready to do some <laughs> some what? Some uh substantial. What, what what would that entail? What needs to be done? Uh what do you mean? <laughs> like how would it work? Yeah, how do you do that? You click and you drag and you delete and Bam, it's all done. <laughs> Taken care of. Bam. Yeah. That's how it works, right? That is that's exactly how it works. Yeah. I, in fact, I have just voice activated software. I yeah. say click, drag, bam. <laughs> done. Very high tech software. Yeah, I heard you say that. That's how I knew. <laughs> so uh I want to talk about before we start the show. Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, listen. There's been a lot of different uh, requests of us in the last few weeks to talk about more about us and our past and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, because maybe I'm punting to you, I want you to talk about your. You had a unique childhood, <laughs> a unique growing up experience. I mean, in a lot of ways, you kind of had to raise your siblings. Yeah, and I think. I often talk about how you were robbed of a childhood and you kind of have a different perspective on that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. You agree. Great. All no, right. no, no, See no, you no, later, no, no. I don't. I don't agree at all um, because I had a lot of fun and there were light moments with the dark moments. Um, but I also I think a lot of my classic childhood memories i think that most normal kids might have of their their childhood um i have with one of my friends mandy Mm -hmm. and it's weird to say just her first name because every time i talk about her i say both of her her first and last name didn't you guys kind of like i call you Brittany page yeah you guys referred to one another as first and last names yeah we did um (laughs) but we did a lot of crazy stuff and got into we never got into trouble, but... Um. Would you... A lot of these stories I've heard, so this isn't a surprise to me, but the story I have in mind, would you consider this story I'm getting ready to name one of those rambunctious, every every kid has one of these kind of moments, the the story of the, the, the wedding reception at the Idaho, the old Idaho penitentiary? Is mm. that one of those, or is that like a holy shit moment? 
No, that's a holy shit moment because huh. we weren't doing anything to make that happen. That just happened. Well, I want I want you to first tell one of your childhood like rambunctious stories, whatever, okay. and then with her. You, yeah, then you gotta tell that story. Okay. Well, one time we decided it would be fun to drive blindfolded. <laughs> And so uh, Mandy was blindfolded and in the driver's seat and she was doing the gas and the brake and I was in the passenger seat and I was in charge of the steering wheel and telling her when to go and when to stop. And we were on a main street in Meridian, Idaho, Overland for those. Wow, that's a busy street. Yeah. And it was not a good situation. So uh I believe it's Overland Road. <laughs> yeah, Overland Road. It's just road. a r- road. Yeah. So we were driving, and at one point, I wanted to just turn into a subdivision because I wanted to stop what we were doing because it, it it wasn't fun after a while. And <laughs> I said, okay, Because break. of the danger or the stupidity? Just or, everything. It was not good. You were so, over it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I start to turn the wheel to go into the middle lane to turn, and I tell her to break so because, we can... Because, hang on, I want to explain the road. It's a five-lane road if you count the center median. Yeah. You've got two lanes going in either direction and then a median in the middle. Yeah. That's the kind of road we're talking... It's not... We're not talking like a little neighborhood road. No, no, no. Good. <laughs> so I pull into that median to make the turn and I tell her to break. Cross- Traffic. Yeah. Break because I want to take the turn into this subdivision slowly. And she she thought I just wanted to take the turn slowly. But really what was happening is I was <laughs> steering from the passenger seat, which is very difficult. Yeah, you're reaching across. Yeah, and so I was trying to turn the wheel enough to make God the turn. Damn. And she thought I just wanted to take it slow. So she hit the gas and I couldn't make the turn in time. And we jumped the curb and landed in someone's yard and hit this giant rock in their yard, <laughs> this decorative rock. And she was blindfolded while that happened in her car. And so she Oh, rips, it's in her car, too. Yeah, she rips off the blindfold screaming. And I was holding an orange soda this whole time while I was and then steering. You, did you guys just GTFO? or? Uh, yeah, she threw it into reverse and uh, got out of there. I don't think the car was damaged at all, but I did spill the orange soda all over oh, my white jeans. how tragic. Yeah. Your white jeans? Yeah. What are you judging my fashion? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. That's all. Yeah. What an entertaining story. Fun childhood experience. Tell the story where you got chased by the newly married groom Mm -hmm. at a wedding reception. Yeah. You and Mandy, Mm -hmm. whose last name will be left out. Yes. Well, first let's explain what the the old Idaho penitentiary is. It's a museum complex. Of the first. Like ancient Idaho state penitentiary. The old penitentiary. Yeah. Yeah. Old as in not new. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's like a museum where it has the entrance and you can buy tickets and then you can actually go onto the grounds. But it also had a woman's prison, which was outside of that. That was kind of like a preview because, you know, it's just the Lades. No one wants to see <laughs> the Lades prison. They want to see the men's prison, right? So that's the one you have to pay for. But we there was also a, a governor's house across from the old pen that uh, people would right. have weddings. I think it's where the warden lived. Yeah, on the prison grounds. Yeah, whatever the a warden's big mansion. House. Yeah, it was really nice. People would have weddings there, and on this day there was a wedding there, and me and Mandy decided to take a walk, 
while my mom and my sister went on a hike in the foothills that are right in that area. So we decided to entertain ourselves and go walk around. And we passed by the wedding that's happening. How old old are you guys? 15, 14? I would say 13 or 14. And you're just coming from the river and I think in bathing suits, right? Yeah, but we had shorts on. We might not have had shirts on, um, just our tops. Bikini top. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Um, Anyway... It doesn't matter what we were wearing. No, no, no. I just want to paint a picture. <laughs> okay. So this guy starts coming. That's what you do when you tell a story in, in, in on the radio, on a podcast. They need to know what I was wearing during the story. You paint a picture with your words. You give them as much detail as you can. Right. Someone's trying to backpedal right now. Anyway. So this guy was on the porch and he comes out and he starts yelling at us and he's behind us and he starts saying, hey... You know, you girls come back here. He's like obviously drunk. A little slurry. Yeah. And I tell Mandy, like, no, don't acknowledge him. Let's just keep let's keep going. And so we keep walking and he's following us. He starts following us, walking after us, trying to catch up to us. Yeah. And is still yelling at us, come back here. I want to talk to you. I don't remember the kinds of things he was saying, but it was like, let's hang out. Let's spend some time together. I want a party, ladies. Yeah. And you 13 year old girls. So at one point I'm like, we need to run because this guy's following us. So we start running and he starts running. Oh my God. So he's now chasing us. Yeah. And he's wearing a suit and he's nicely dressed. Yeah. So it's. It's like, what the hell is going on right now? And Mandy pulls my arm and tries to get me to go into the the old penitentiary, the women's old penitentiary. And I say, no, no, no. There's only one way in and one way out. Like, I know the, I know the <laughs> well, old You've pen. been there before. Yeah. And I say, no, let's go in here to this office and get some help. So we run in there. We tell this woman at the desk really quick. We're like, this guy's chasing us. We need help. And she didn't even ask questions. She's like, okay, go in there, go in there and hide under a bench. So we go in there. We get down under the bench. I, I'm like out of breath. I'm terrified. I hear the guy come in. He's like, hey, where are those girls? Wow. And we're like, oh, my God, I hope she can get rid of him. I didn't hear what she was saying, but I could hear him yelling. Eventually, he goes away. We come out. She has told us that she's calling the police and to wait here, I think. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go find my mom because my mom <laughs> was a no shit laid. Yeah, my mom is um, was six feet tall, two hundred and twenty pounds, and she boxer. She was a boxer, and she was a no nonsense laid. Yeah, that's and right. if I was ever in trouble, I always felt as though I could go to her, and she would help me. So I went to find her, especially if it would put on display her prowess. Yes. In a physical way. Yeah. So I said, Mom, this guy was chasing us and he he's like over here. You know, the cops have arrived by now. She's wondering what the hell's going on. The cops go over to talk to this guy. I'm explaining to my mom what's happening. The guy comes out and then the bride comes out. It's the groom. Yeah. We start figuring out that he's actually the groom of the wedding. And so the bride comes out and she's like, what the hell's going on? What's going on? And my mom walks over and says, hey, you're the one who married a fucking child molester. (laughs) And the cops are like, all right, ma'am, you need to be quiet and try to like separate them. Not far off the truth. What was the guy after? He wanted to hang out with us. Yeah, a party with the 13-year-olds. <laughs> I just want to... Only hours, maybe minutes after having uh, 
given his vows to be married. Yeah, I just wonder what was happening at the wedding where he... Because aren't the, the groom and the bride usually together the whole night? Or the whole event. I don't know. He was hanging out solo on the patio. Well, and you then can't he's... smoke inside. Maybe he was outside smoking or something. And then he has enough time to chase us all over the, the penitentiary. And she's not wondering where he went and what's well, going may- on. Maybe she was. Yeah. They're probably happily married still. That's the thing. Seems like a healthy guy. Because I was so young, I didn't think to figure out their names so that I could follow this later in the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like look them up on Facebook and see Well, you didn't there was no Facebook then. Well, I mean, carry their name with yeah, me yeah, yeah, into yeah. 2017 <laughs> and right. look them up on Facebook and see what he's doing now. One of many many very bizarre stories of Britney P's life. Yeah. As a kid. It's a good time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> not normal. I'm glad that that's one of the not normal. You don't look back on like, oh, we were such scamps having normal kind of kid problems. Well, no, that was scary. Yeah. I was legitimately afraid that we were going to be raped. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you you got out on skate. And, and by the way, by the way, hashtag me too. <laughs> Another example oh. of something insane happening with that hashtag going around today. Yeah. You know, one time I floated the Boise River and there was a guy jerking off in a tree uh, above all the people going by in the river as well. And my mom started yelling at him as well. <laughs> Did he fall out of the tree he trying to get of, down? Yeah, because she startled him and he fell out of the tree and was pulling up his pants while he was running well, up the Well, what would have helped is it had he... Had he taken his hand off of his dick yeah. and used both hands, he could have he could have maintained control. Well, he was startled, you yeah, see. Yeah, you know, seeing people float the river on inner tubes is very erotic. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of erotic, oh. we did the one chip challenge. We talked about it last time. The video's on YouTube. And we have some voicemails. Hello guys, this is Chris from Tennessee. I was kind of comment about the one chip challenge. Now Brittany, I heard that you were not very happy about being on video. But don't worry Brittany, you are beautiful and you have a face for YouTube. And Jesse, you have a face for radio. But anyway, I love the show and of course, Brittany's the best part. So, thank you, Chris. Yeah, um, thanks a lot, Dick. I <laughs> See, when you said that... I was concerned that this would be the reaction. And that's not really why I don't want to be on camera. I have other concerns, um, such as YouTube abuse. Yeah, it really is. You're subjecting yourself. You're voluntarily submitting yourself to the worst of the worst for no reason. Yeah. (laughs) And the comments on this video were very nice. Yeah. Uh, there weren't any hateful comments. Toward you. Toward me. Of course there were some toward me. <laughs> um, so that was nice. That's just par for the course. But, I mean, when you're signing up to do video content, you're signing up for people to um, criticize everything about you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Most reasonable criticisms and completely unreasonable ones. Yeah. So that's something to take into consideration. And I cajoled you. Yes. Really put the screws to you. You did. Because it's also promoting the show because a lot of people are going to see that video because they like One Chip Challenge or whatever and they'll be like, oh, I kind of like this guy. Let's blah, blah, blah. Let's watch the YouTube channel and then maybe 
even make it their way to the uh, podcast. Well, here's uh, how much effort it took for you. You said, uh, hey, do you want to do this video? I was like, nah, not really. Okay, but we're going to make money off of it. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. Here we go. Right. <laughs> anyway, Chris, thanks for the phone call. Thanks for the voicemail. Even though you maligned me like a YouTube person, I don't usually have to hear it. I only have to see it. Hey, Jeff and Brittany, it's your boy. I know it's been a minute. It's Walter from Missouri, or a.k.a. Stephen, Stephen, <laughs> whichever name you want to use. Or you can just refer to me as that guy. That guy. Uh, um, first, first, I want to say a few things. I'm going to try to squeeze this off two minutes as possible. First, I want to say thank you, Jesse. I don't think I ever thank you for your service, uh, for serving in the Marines and doing all of what you do. And then I also want to thank you, Brittany, for putting up with Jesse. Um, anyway, dude, I saw the YouTube video of you guys eating the chip. Like, what were y'all trying to prove? Like, <laughs> y'all are <laughs> crazy as hell. I'm sitting there watching the video and I'm laughing my guts out. My, my cheeks hurt, my stomach hurt, and everything just hurts. Just watching you guys suffer, isn't it? I could be a bad person. I, I should just, you know, get on my knees and I repent for, you know, laughing at you guys suffering. Like, oh boy, um, I forgot his name. Like, he was sweating and crying. It was, it was just, uh, oh my goodness, it was horrible to watch and it was also laughable. So forgive me about it. Um, now about a suggestion. I know that in one of the podcasts I heard that um, Brittany was a music lover. So I was wondering if she ever considered, uh, trying to get on the show, be Sazam. I mean, I think that would be something that would be fun. Um, and a chance for her to win a million dollars. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> you know, be a bad days of work, no, bad day of work. But I just want to say, you know, I love you guys. I'm, I'm pushing and hoping that you guys get, uh, get to that third episode every week. Um, just like one of the cards said in one of your, uh, the episode before last, like, I look forward to getting the notification that you guys, uh, you know, post a new, uh, podcast and I listen to it. I am a average listener to your podcast and I watch, uh, the conversation and the daily, uh, I mean, Dollamore on YouTube. I watch all that. I support all you guys. And even though Brittany is, is amazing on the show, I have to I have to show some love to my boy Jesse. No one's showing my my homie no love. Yes. And I have to say it. Someone has to say it. Like the the dude be having our guts busting, like laughing, listening to the show, and he gets no credit. No. And I credit. just want to, you know, give credit, you know, to the fellas. Like the men should stick together. You feel me? <laughs> All right. That's it. I love you guys, and um, and I hope all is well, and hope all is blessed. Uh, Jesse Dallimore. Is the best part. Holla. So I do listen, Walter, not Stephen. Walter from St. Louis. Uh, thank you for saying that. You're correct. I am a hero, a selfless hero who provides entertainment and information on a regular basis. And I do need to be praised more. Yeah, because you, you don't get enough. That is right. You do not get enough praise <laughs> for being funny. And smart. Oh. And having your shit together. Anyway. Not enough praise. <laughs> anyway. 
thank you very much, you guys, both both Chris and, and Walter. We appreciate you guys very much. If you, too, would like to sound off and communicate with the show, we would love to hear from you. You have something to say? No. Are you sure? You had something. You had that look on your face like you're getting ready to, to say something. No, I just appreciate all of the recommendations, such as Beat Shazam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You, you should do that. Yeah. I'm isn't, try- isn't there an application process? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the process of doing that. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Because then maybe people will appreciate keep, my musical <laughs> identification keep, abilities. Keep Walter in the loop on that one. Will do. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Please know that we are waiting with bated breath to hear from you. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Alejandro. Alejandro. Jim. Jim. Chris. Chris. And Carissa. Carissa. We love Carissa. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate your support on Patreon, on PayPal, at dollamore.net. If you go buy a t-shirt or a tote or a coffee mug, all of that helps support the show, leading us closer and closer to a third episode per week. Also use that Amazon link to do your holiday shopping. The holidays are coming up. Uh, Dollamore.com slash Amazon. And Slackers... Listen, Thanksgiving episode. Oh, yeah. We have not received any submissions. Please, please take time out of your day. If you have not listened to the Thanksgiving episodes, listen to one or more of them and send us a voice memo. You do not have to say your name. They're all anonymous. Yeah, they are anonymous. We cut your name off even if you do say your name. So just don't worry about saying your name. The other thing we cut off is if you say, I appreciate you guys. Yeah. I appreciate the show. I love Ida. That's not, we love that. We love hearing that. That's beautiful. Right. It's a wonderful sentiment, but it it would take up too much time on the show. We really want to get to what you are truly thankful for this year. Right. Um, and it's a heart, it's a heartwarming, beautiful episode that we put together. Not to toot my, not to toot my own horn, but it's something we look forward to every single year because it turns out so well. Yes. And we've also had people do things where they uh, send something in and it's a surprise for someone else. Yeah. So that's an idea if you're wanting to surprise someone because it's, uh, again, a family friendly episode, no cussing. So if you were to play it. Only positive news. Yeah, only positive news. So it's it's and- a good episode. We hope you contribute to it. We, we would love to have... A lot of submissions this year. I doubt it at dollamore.com. The other thing is it's not just for American listeners because it's an American holiday. Yeah. If you're international, every year we've had international, you know, our Northern European um, listeners, I think Australia one year, we have had foreign international listeners submit and we really appreciate that. It's awesome. We want all perspectives, everything. 
Because giving thanks isn't about our goddamn holiday. Yeah. It's about giving thanks and recognizing those things for which you are thankful. The other thing is this Thursday, October 19th, is our event, Solving Moral Dilemmas. How do we know what's right with Dr. Michael Shermer, Dr. Ryan Nichols, and of course, Brittany's former thesis advisor, Dr. Douglas Navrick, will have a discussion which Brittany and I will, quote unquote, moderate. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have some video cameras there. It's going to go on YouTube. There's also going to be a podcast. We're going to release the audio of it. But we would love for you to come out, support the show, and get to meet us. I'll have a pile of stickers. You know, we'll... We'll, we'll glad hand the audience, give you guys an, a hug, and and get to know you. It'll be a good time. And there's refreshments. And there's a, 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 a veggie and cheese tray. Veggie and fruit. So, that's at 7.30 p.m. on the campus of Cal State University Fullerton. For more information, go to dollamore.com slash events or event. Either one. They both go there. Moving on. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, let's do a little follow-up right now. We talked about Russ. What's his Rex Tillerson? Jesus Christ. Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, and the reporting done by NBC that he called Donald Trump in a meeting at the Pentagon. A fucking moron. <laughs> I can't express how much joy that gives me that a sitting, active president's own pick for Secretary of State is calling him a fucking moron in a public meeting. Yeah. In a meeting with other people there to hear. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like he was texting his wife, ah, this guy's a fucking moron. <laughs> He's telling it to, to Pentagon officials. Yeah. Professionals. Yeah. What are you laughing about? I I didn't know that Rex Tillerson talked like that. Ah, see? <laughs> <laughs> like a cartoon villain. So anyway, he sat down with Jake Tapper on Sunday. And Jake Tapper was very pointed in his questions. As always, Jake Tapper was taking care of biz with Rex Tillerson and holding his feet to the fire to answer these questions. NBC News reported that you were frustrated with President Trump over the summer and you called him a moron during a meeting at the Pentagon. Now, you've dismissed the question as petty, but this is literally one of the most important relationships in the world, the one between you and President Trump. Is it true? Did you call him a moron? Jake, as I indicated earlier when I was asked about that, I'm not going to deal with that kind of petty stuff. I mean, this is a town that seems to relish uh, gossip, rumor, innuendo, and they feed on it. They feed on one another in a very destructive way. I don't work that way. I don't deal that way. And I'm just not going to dignify the question. I, I call the president Mr. President. He and I have a very, very open, frank, and candid relationship. I see him often. I speak to him nearly every day. I'm in the Oval Office a number of hours every week. We have, we have a very open exchange of views on policy. At the end of the day, he makes decisions. I go out and do the best I can to execute those decisions successfully. Ever since you called it petty, I've been thinking a lot about it because I, I'm a re reflective guy and I understand the media makes mistakes and the media always could improve. But here's the thing. Either you didn't say it 
in which case there are a whole bunch of administration officials telling the press and telling the president that you did, and that's a serious problem. Or you did say it, and look, you're a serious guy. For you to say something like that suggests a real frustration with the commander-in-chief. So when you don't answer the question, it makes people think that you probably did say it. But either way, whatever happened, it is serious. So can you please clear it up? As I said, Jake, I'm not playing. These are the games of Washington. These are the destructive games of this town. They're not helpful to anyone. And so my position on it is, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. You want to make a game out of it? I'm not playing. I'm not it's making, sim- I'm not making a game that. out of it. I mean, I'm just trying to see clarity because saying that if I said that my boss was a moron, that would be a serious issue. It wouldn't be. And, and my boss doesn't control nukes. Um, I'm willing to move on, but I just want to be clear. You still haven't denied that you called him a moron. And, you know, a lot of people are going to watch this and think he probably said it. I'm not dignifying the question with an answer. <laughs> so <laughs> I I loved this exchange, you're, particularly. You're right. you're right, by the way. Ah, see, he, he doesn't really talk like that. Yeah. I'm not dignifying that with an answer. <laughs> Listen, Jake. I thought this was well done. On the part of Rex Tillerson or on the part of Jake Tapper? Jake Tapper. Yeah. Especially the second round there. Yeah. The, where he, he really tried to appeal to Rex Tillerson. Um, <laughs> they had the camera on Rex Tillerson the whole time when, when Jake Tapper was yeah. talking. And it almost looked like he was getting to him a little bit. Like it was, hey, it's safe to talk about this here. This is a safe place. <laughs> yeah. I'm just... Listen, I'm confused. Like, I'm just really trying what? to understand. Like on old school. I thought we were in the safe space with the, the, the trust tree and the trust. <laughs> um, and then he did not respond well to it. But his face looked like he was slowly breaking down. And yeah, he, he very was, subtly. Yeah, he was going to respond, but then he didn't. And well, I, I thought that last dig there yes. was, was everything that we needed. I just want to let everybody... It's what I think reporters should do more. Yeah. When someone doesn't an- answer the question that you've asked, you say, and Jake Tepper does this a lot, all right, we'll move on, but you you haven't answered the question. Next right. question, blah, blah, blah. To let the audience know, hey, I tried. I did what I can. He didn't fucking answer. He did the same thing here. Look, we're gonna, I'm going to wrap it up. We're not going to belabor this, but I just want everyone to know you still have not denied calling the president a fucking moron. And that's all you have to do is, listen, you can't say, I don't, I'm not going to play these games. I'm not going to play these games. I'm not going to do this pettiness. That's not what I do. I'm the, I'm the Secretary of State now. <laughs> you can't come out and have a, a, a formal press oh. conference where you come out of the door yeah, dramatically. in the fancy room and yeah. sit down and answer questions and make a statement about... The relationship you have with the president of the United States. Yeah. Because that's uncalled for. You don't need to do that except for it was at the behest of Donald Trump, who's an insecure mental weakling. And then you can't do that and then not answer the question, which everyone wants to know, which spurred the meeting or the presser in the first place. Well, you can't say I'm not dignifying that with a response because you did respond. You it's just that you're not, else. you're not responding in a way that answers the question, yes. but you are drawing more attention to it. So saying I'm not going to dignify it with a response is essentially saying 
I don't even want to talk about it because there's yeah. there, it's not relevant. I don't care. But everything else you're doing is contradicting that point. So it is beyond frustrating. And it's got to be frustrating for him to look. I don't think Rex Tillerson is a good guy. I think he's a bad secretary of state. He's unqualified to be secretary of state. He's too tightly connected to Russia with his order of friendship medal. And his many, many meetings with with uh, Vladimir Putin and Prevazon and the, the other oil conglomerates and com- and companies within Russia. Um, so he's not qualified, but I'm a little sympathetic because as a person, as a human, as a guy trying to do a job, um, he's 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 in a tough spot, being bossed around by a fucking child, by a moron, mm-hmm. because. Look, let's be real. Let's be fair. Let's be adults with one another. Donald Trump is a goddamn moron. He doesn't have a grasp of complex concepts that is necessary to be the leader of the free fucking world. Also, wasn't this rumored? Is it a rumor? I don't know. Rumored to be about a discussion about nukes and how Donald Trump wanted like 10 times the nukes that we currently have. That's right. And that's what prompted him yeah. to say that he And then was... he walked that back and said, no, he just wanted modernization of our nuclear arsenal. Uh, well, not... he, he walked it back yeah. and said, believe me, I've seen it and we don't need it. Okay? Because it's the biggest <laughs> in the world. He always wants the biggest, Brittany. Yeah. Biggest and the best. Well, listen, let, let's talk a little bit about foreign policy. I've been pushing this back after episode after episode. The, the Harvey Weinstein thing came up. And um, that is this battle with Senator Corker from Tennessee. Now, Bob Corker is a conservative. Bob Corker is, is wrong on policy in many, many facets. But he does know what he's talking about, about foreign policy. He may have some wrong directions he wants to go regard to that. But uh, he's not a he's not a neophyte. He's not a moron. <laughs> where it relates, to, he's the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He knows something about it. Whether the conclusions he draws are correct, that's a different story. But he also is no liberal about this kind of stuff. He opposed the Iran deal. Well, first let's get there since I just said it. Bob Corker opposed the Iran deal as the Senate Foreign Relations Chairman. And Donald Trump, after this entire feud started, made the claim at least twice that that uh, insinuating that Bob Corker was the architect of the Iran uh, lessening of sanctions, the Iran deal that we're under right now or that is now being put in question. Here's again. JTAP setting the record straight. Hey everybody, it's Jake Tapper from CNN's State of the Union and factcheck.org. And this week we're going to take a look at a comment made by President Trump on Twitter about the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Senator Bob Corker, Republican of Tennessee, and the Iran deal. The president tweeted in part that Senator Corker is, quote, largely responsible for the horrendous Iran deal. And in a separate tweet, he wrote, Bob Corker gave us the Iran deal and that's about it. Is that true? Did Senator Bob Corker give the world the Iran deal? Was he largely responsible for it? No. 
That's not true. In fact, Senator Bob Corker opposed the Iran deal. Now, what President Trump is referring to is the role that Corker played in something of a showdown between the Senate under Republican control and the White House then under President Obama's control. Obama contended that the deal with Iran was not a treaty and therefore did not need to be approved by the Senate. Corker crafted a bipartisan bill that allowed the House and Senate to review this agreement with Iran, and the Review Act passed the Senate overwhelmingly on a vote of 98 to 1. Senate Republicans ultimately reviewed the Iran deal. They introduced legislation to kill it, but they were not able to garner enough votes to overcome a Democratic-led filibuster, and the deal moved forward. But here's the bottom line. The Iran deal would have moved forward anyway because President Obama did not think that he needed Senate approval to get it through. When there was an opportunity for Corker to vote against the Iran deal, he did vote against the Iran deal. Now, you can take issue with the legislation that Senator Corker crafted that passed the Senate, as I said, 98 to 1. But to say that Senator Corker is largely responsible for the Iran deal or that he gave the world the Iran deal, that's just not true. A reminder to all you politicians out there, you're perfectly entitled to your own opinions, not, I repeat, not to your own facts. I'm Jake Tapper for CNN State of the Union and factcheck.org. I love that he does this, and I wish that other media outlets and all journalists working on every network yeah. would take the time to do these fact checks. Do the deep dive and get the get the real, just con- condensed, boil it down so everybody knows. Yeah, because if Donald Trump is talking for more than five minutes, he's lying at least once. Yeah. And saying that the truth is fake news. And the people who want information, want accurate information, they they should provide that to the viewers. The, the, the shortcut way to find out if Donald Trump is lying about one thing is if he does call it fake news, you know it's true. He has dedicated himself to really the things that are really true. He calls fake news. Yeah, and I can think of the latest example, which was when he was asked about the latest sexual abuse allegations against him and the subpoena that was sent to him for documents. And he said, that's fake news. Now, what would Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and Tommy Lahren and all these people be saying? Who? Fox News. (laughs) (laughs) If Harvey Weinstein held a press conference and said, oh, this is fake news. All these, all these women coming out, it's fake news. Uh, let me guess. They'd believe him? Right. <laughs> of course they wouldn't believe him. But, because he's Harvey Weinstein. But Donald he's Trump. He's not their, their emperor god or whatever the fuck they call him. Donald Trump gets a pass. Ugh. Problematic. Disgusting. So this battle started with Senator Bob Corker. He said something in district in a meeting held in in his home district or his home state, since senators represent the entire state, and uh, it started a firestorm. Well, this uh, it really does come as somewhat of a surprise, Fred, because there for quite some time, Senator Bob Corker of Tennessee has been uh, somewhat of an ally to President Trump. He certainly hasn't embraced him completely, but on some of the big issues of the day, like Iran and some foreign policy matters, Corker, who's an expert in foreign relations, uh, has come to the president's defense and has often uh, spoke kindly of him. But that all changed a few weeks ago. That's when uh, Corker was at an event in his home state of Tennessee, uh, and he questioned the president's competence at that time. I think 
think we have that soundbite to play for you. Take a listen. The president has not yet um, has not yet been able to demonstrate the stability uh, nor some of the competence that he needs to demonstrate in order to be successful. And the White House, for the most part, brushed that off. Uh, the president uh, didn't react too strongly to that. But then just last week, uh, Bob Corker announced that he was not going to seek reelection. And then he said this in the Capitol. Take a listen. I think uh, Secretary Tillerson, Secretary Mattis and uh, Chief of Staff Kelly uh, are those people that help separate our country from chaos. And uh, I uh, support them very much. And that's apparently what set the president off today, uh, uh, basically saying on Twitter that uh, Bob Corker came and begged him to endorse him in his reelection bid. Uh, and Corker's office today is flatly denying that that happened. In fact, uh, Bob Corker's chief of staff, Todd Womack, said in a statement today, the president called Senator Corker on Monday afternoon and asked him to reconsider his decision not to seek reelection and reaffirmed that he would have en had endorsed him, as he has said many times. So in this case, Fred, we have a situation where a powerful member of the United States Senate and the president of the United States, who are both Republicans, are accusing each other of lying. There are two completely different stories having to do with this. So here's the deal. You have a respected member of Congress who doesn't have a history of lying every time he opens his fucking mouth, Bob Corker, and Donald Trump who embodies everything I just said. Who are you going to believe? Secondly, Bob Corker is speaking facts. He's stating the truth. And he's a member of Donald Trump's own party. The only difference between him and other Republicans is he doesn't have an impending election. So he is unencumbered by re-election. Just like John McCain. Just like Susan Collins right now. The rest of the Senate feels like he does. They just have to play the fucking game because, one, they're they're political cowards. I was going to say, what word might we use to describe yeah. these people? But I want to play that clip of him in the basement of the Senate in the Capitol building. They only played just a few seconds of it. Here is it. Here it is. And it's here is it. Here it is in its entirety. And then we'll move on. I, I think... Uh... Secretary Tillerson, Secretary Mattis, and uh, Chief of Staff Kelly uh, are those people that help separate our country from chaos. And uh, I uh, support them very much. Um, and uh, I don't know what he may have said after the briefing. Um, I watch from, I, I mean, look, I see what's happening here. I deal with people throughout the administration, and uh, he, he, from my perspective, is in an incredibly frustrating place where, um, as I watch, okay, and I can watch very closely on many occasions, I mean, I, you know, he ends up not being supported in the way that I would hope a Secretary of State would be supported. So I, I think he's in a very trying situation trying to 
to uh, solve many of the world's problems uh, a lot of times without the kind of support and help that I'd like to see him have. Do you ever think about resigning at any point in time? I, I, I can't get into that, yeah. When you say that Tillerson, Mattis, and Kelly are separating this country from chaos, do you yeah. mean the, from the president's chaos? Well, it's just they, 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 they act in a very, uh, they work very well together to make sure that the policies we put forth around the world are you know, sound and coherent. There are other people uh, uh, within the administration, in my belief, that don't. Okay, I'm sorry. So he's being pretty magnanimous there and trying to toe the line, but it's pretty obvious what he's fucking saying. The president is chaotic. The president isn't good for foreign policy. The bedrock of foreign policy is consistency. Donald Trump is anything but consistent. So Donald Trump, after this, came out and attacked Bob Corker, calling him Little Bob Corker, L-I-D-D-L-E, Little Bob Corker. Bob Corker's about five foot seven, and Donald Trump doesn't have it in him to respect anyone of a smaller stature than him. How tall is Donald Trump? Six two, six three, I think. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fucking matter. I know you don't think it does, but it certainly doesn't matter when you're on this level and you're dealing with intellects. People of, of, of it, look, if it, if it was a, a, a test of physical fortitude and who could fight the other, if we lived in caveman days, that might matter. I don't it's think. It's 2017. <laughs> I don't know if Donald Trump has noticed. Well, that's, that's kind of what my, my question was about. I was imagining a cage match um, <laughs> between Donald Trump and Bob Corker. And, you know, we talked about my mom being a boxer and she's a tall lady mm-hmm. and she said that the the people who beat her ass the worst in her life were short girls that she didn't suspect i that might be the only thing i've ever agreed with your mom about yeah i've been in many physical altercations in my life and i have had my ass handed to me several times and it's always been a smaller person. So simply being tall oh, doesn't yeah. mean that Donald Trump yeah. is a tough tall guy. Tall or big or muscly or anything. He eats a lot of KFC. Yeah. A lot of KFC. And his battery is a body and his body is a battery. And you know, he doesn't want to waste any of that, so he always takes a golf cart everywhere he yeah. goes. Well, he's not pumping iron and downing protein shakes, is what I'm saying. So Donald Trump went on a screed with his tweets against Bob Corker. And Bob Corker gave an interview via phone that was recorded to the New York Times in which he said some things. Look, I'm glad he's unhinged or I'm sorry, belay my last, not unhinged, that he is unencumbered. He is he is uh, he's uncensored. He can say what the fuck he wants. Let's listen to a little bit of this New York Times interview. I don't wish him harm. Right. I don't. I, I, I just, uh, um, but I, yeah, I mean, just the, the volatility is, you know, to anyone who has been around, um, is to a degree alarming. But again, I don't wish him harm. He's got people around him that have been able to keep him, generally speaking, in the middle of the road. Right. The tweets, um, especially as it relates to foreign policy issues, yeah. I know have been very damaging to us, yeah. okay? Yeah. And, um, I do wish that would stop, um, but, you know, as evidence this morning, he just, uh, it's just something he has to do. First of all, 
what's with this New York Times reporter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has he never spoken on the phone, doesn't know how to interact with another human? Giving them verbal cues that you're listening isn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it must, maybe it was a recording of him while he was just typing, just intermittently saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what? listen to what Corker's saying there, that we're in a situation where the president needs to be reined in and thank God for our Secretary of State. Thank God for our Secretary of Defense, these smart, learned individuals who are reining in the president who is such a loose cannon that he's causing a dangerous situation for our country. That's not good straits to be in. When you're the largest nuclear power on the planet, can you imagine what other countries are feeling right now with Donald Trump being our leader? Here's the second part. One of the reasons I supported Pat and Tillerson and, uh, and Kelly last week yeah. is, again, as long as there's people <laughs> like that around him, uh, we're able to talk him down. And, you know, when it gets spun up, uh, you know, calming down yeah. and, and uh, continue to work with them before the decision is made. Um, I, I, I think we'll be fine. I don't, uh, I do worry that he's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's sometimes I feel like he, he's on a reality show of some kind, you yeah. know, when he's talking about these big foreign policy issues. And, yeah. and you know, he, he doesn't realize that, you know, that we could be heading towards World War Three with yeah. the kind of comments that he's making, and it's like he—it's like it's an active count. I'm sure that bothers me, just from the standpoint of—I mean, I know that he's necessarily a warmonger. I don't believe that he is a warmonger in any way. But watch his performances. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it, it very much feels to me like he thinks as president he's on a reality. when he is saying yeah. yeah because yeah he's he's mm, yeah he's in the middle of a thought <laughs> when he's saying yeah so you can wait a little bit until there's a pause or something or like yeah i got that we know you're recording it maybe actually fucking listen to the guy yeah <laughs> what is alarming about this is that we know because of reporting yeah and just watching donald trump but also reports well what have they gotten wrong 
the things the media gets wrong in this day and age are few and far between. They're right on most things. Mm -hmm. They nail it. They double source. They triple source. Right. So he's saying these things. World War Three. He's acting like he's on a reality show. Again, chairman of the United States Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Now, what do you think would happen if other Republicans came out and said, no, we agree with what Bob Corker is saying. We agree that this is concerning behavior, that he's acting like he's on a reality show, that he's not taking this seriously. What do you think would happen with Donald Trump's base? What do you think would happen with his administration, with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, when she comes out and tries to answer these questions? Would they just attack these people and try to ruin their reputations? Lar- He's going to call everyone Lil? L- Lil. Little. DD. Little. I think, I think Lil was someone, wasn't it? Lil Marco. Yeah. Um, listen, I think for the most part, they would be attacked. But each and every day subsequent to the other... A little bit of Donald Trump's base kind of peels away. They're waking up. The more rational, there's always going to be a percentage of people who are the unwashed, uneducated, low information voter. The camouflage MAGA hat. You know, the, the, Donald Trump, this baby. guy. We got some Hillary bitches on here. Is never going to come around. Come on, baby. Trump. But there are a, a, a vast percentage out there that will eventually evaporate from his base you know what i mean yeah so (laughs) so so they're and they're followers those people are followers so if if the if the senate and members of the senate start coming out and saying you need to fucking knock it off yeah that that those members of the evaporation Mm -hmm. they'll follow suit yeah so the the people that mike pence has retained in the republican party they may listen. Yeah. But the more populist wing that Donald Trump has ignited. Yeah. They may not be the ones that, that listen. Or uh, maybe they do. I don't uh, know. I believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's listen to the last part of this New York Times interview and the reporter's ridiculous reactions. Um, he called me this last week. Right. Um, <laughs> asked me if I would reconsider. Yeah. Um, and when I told him, you know, that just wasn't in the cards, yeah. he said, well, you know, if you run, I'll endorse you. Yeah. Um, I said, Miss President, it's just not in the cards. I've already made my decision. And um, and so then we began talking about some of the other candidates that, that were running. Yeah. So... He right there. It's a direct contradiction, and I guess it comes down to who do you believe, Bob Corker or President Donald Trump, on the timeline here that Bob Corker decided he wasn't going to run anymore. Where Donald Trump says he begged him to endorse him, and Donald Trump refused. Does any rational, reasonable person believe Donald Trump, or do they believe Bob Corker, who has a reputation of being? More of a straight shooter, not a liar like Donald Trump. A lifetime of scamming people. Yeah. So there was one thing that followed after all of this, and it was Michael Smirconish. That is right. Goddamn. I did what you do. I'm reading it. I'm like, smir, smir, smir. How dare you? Michael Smirconish from CNN. Smirconish. Smirconish. Not itch. Yeah. All right. 
All right, you want to Weinstein? You want to come around here and, and <laughs> click the click the button to play Boom. the clip? <laughs> <laughs> click and drag. Boom. Boom. So here's Michael Smirkanish <laughs> talking about the Twenty Fifth Amendment, which I don't know that I buy, but I'd like to know what the audience thinks. You know, that's not a Democrat playing partisan politics trying to criticize the president. You can't spin it away that way. This is a Republican saying whatever many Republican senators are saying in private. And that's why it's got the force of revelation and people should pay attention because this is what people in Washington in the know are saying every day. Some of the quotes here from this are, are staggering. I don't know why the president tweets out things that are not true. You know he does it. Everyone knows he does it. But he does it. Michael Smirkanish, as John was saying, this is not a never-trumper cheerleader. This guy was a shortlister for vice president and secretary of state. Hey, Bill, the lawyer in me hears something different. I'm thinking of the 25th Amendment, Section 4, which speaks to a president who's unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. Let's just reflect on some of the word choices that Senator Corker has made, because post Charlottesville, he was questioning the stability of the president. Now he's using the word reckless. Now he's using the word chaos. Now he's saying that he concerns me. I think he's planting seeds for questioning the fitness, the mental fitness of the president pursuant to the 25th Amendment to continue with his responsibilities. You think that Bob Corker is that deliberate, that he is deliberately, Michael, choosing words that are going to lay the groundwork for that? If, if you were to take a look at the amendment and then say, Allison, okay, how would you make an argument? What sort of things would you say in making a case to fulfill section four of the 25th amendment? Those words would be at the top of the list. They might be at the top of the list, Michael Smirkanish. Smirkan, Smirkanish. I know how to say his name, Brittany. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the, Bill the, Weir was struggling there as well. So. I know, I know. Yeah. So they might be at the top of the list, those words, but I, I don't know that he's that premeditated, that he's setting himself up. The other thing is, I think we ought not to get too excited about the option of the 25th Amendment as a mechanism for removal of a president of the United States. One, that's a lot of different things coming into play. You got to get the cabinet. You got to get the Congress. All this stuff has to hit. The other thing is that I don't know that we should make it that easy. I think I've talked about this in the past. To remove a president. Because next time, I did. I think I talked about this last time. Because next time, when a Democrat's in office... Do you want it to be so easy to remove he or she? No, we don't. We want it to be difficult. So let's not get all hot and heavy about the 25th Amendment. One, because it's very unlikely. And two, come on. We, we want it to be difficult to be able to remove the leader of our nation, the duly elected leader, even though the one that we got is a fucking moron. Yeah, well, and I liked Allison Camerata's question there, which is, you believe that... You just love the lades. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, that that you believe that Bob Corker is being deliberate in his, in his talk. Like, he's planting yeah. these seeds. Yeah, I don't buy that. For a larger purpose. Do you think she asked that because she doesn't really buy it either? Or you think it's just kind of a natural question? Uh, that's an impossible question to answer. All right. 
Because I don't. <laughs> I, I, it's a great question to ask, though. It because is. Yeah. I would ask that same question because I don't buy that. I'm like, come on, you really, yeah, you really think that, dude? Yeah. Maybe we should get Michael Smirkonich on the sh- 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 on the show. Yeah. That way someone can say his name right. Does somebody know Michael Smirkonish to get him on the show? Because <laughs> I don't know Michael Smirkonish. You know, he he doesn't have enough of an audience. I think he could use a boost from us. <laughs> yeah. That is how it works. Yeah. People come on the I Doubt It with Dollamore podcast and become fucking international superstars afterward. It happens all the time. Isn't Dr. Kathy Allen already in Jason <laughs> Chaffetz's seat? Hasn't Harley Ruda already been elected to Congress because he was here? Yeah. That's true. That's right. That's what happens. <laughs> All right. One last thing, again, about why Donald Trump is a moron. How Donald Trump is a moron. He was on a moron's program the other day on Fox News. The pumpkin head himself, Sean Hannity. <laughs> and Donald Trump <laughs> said... Maybe the most ridiculous thing that's ever come out of a president's mouth relative to economics, and especially from someone who claims to be uh, a business maven, just an expert in this field. He claims that the stock market has wiped out the U.S. debt. The country, we took it over at 20 trillion, as you know, the last... First of all, I'm going to stop it right there. We're going to go back. Did you hear what he said? The country, we took it over. It owed $20 trillion. I got news for you, Donald Trump. You didn't take over the country. You didn't take it over. You assumed leadership in the presidency as a result of a free and fair election, supposedly. It's problematic language. You didn't fucking take over. It's not a banana republic, you fucking mook. The country, we took it over at owed 20 trillion. As you know, the last eight years, they borrowed more than it did in the whole history of our country. So they borrowed more than $10 trillion, right? And yet we picked up 5.2 trillion just in the stock market, possibly picked up the whole thing in terms of the first nine months, in terms of value. So you could say in one sense, we're really uh, increasing values and maybe in a sense, we're reducing debt. Reducing debt, the stock market gain, is reducing the amount of money that the federal government owes to other countries in debt. How in the fuck is he president of the United States? To not have even the most cursory understanding of how shit works. Well, here's Christine Romans who has long been a financial reporter for CNN and an anchor, explaining that no, 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 <laughs> that is not how it works. CNN's chief business correspondent, Christine Romans, joins us right now. In any sense, Christine Romans, is an increase in the stock market reducing the national debt. In no sense does an increasing stock market reduce the national debt, John. Uh, let's look at the stock market, because the president really wants to take a victory lap here on the Dow Jones Industrial Average and others. The Dow up 25 percent since the election. The Nasdaq up almost 30 uh, percent. The S&P 500 up 20 percent. Put that in perspective, though. Look at the Trump bump here on the overall 
bull market. It's been a relatively recent addition. It is $5 trillion, but that goes to companies. It goes to shareholders. It goes to uh, investors. It doesn't reduce the national debt. You guys, the national debt is how much Congress has already spent. To reduce the national debt, you have to uh, really cut spending or really raise taxes. Guess what? No one's talking about raising taxes. It's about tax cuts here. If you don't pay for the tax cuts the president proposes, you could add to that national debt. So putting these two things together is something that in the business world this morning has just confounded economists and uh, debt watchers because these two things do not go together in any sense. Uh, looking at the stock market right now, uh, very close to record highs. There's been 64, 65. I'm not even counting anymore how many record highs since the election. And we do point this out every single day. Today, you can see a little bit step back here, though, uh, just a little bit of a pause in the rally. So we'll watch that there, guys. All right. Christine Romans with lots of sense this morning. Always <laughs> appreciate having you. Thanks so much, Christine. <laughs> well, listen, two things. One, again, he's a moron. And number two, well, three things. Number two, this was a trend, an upward trend since Obama took office. There's a trend. I did a video. It's on, it's on YouTube about him taking credit for the, the, economy, the economy right now. But he's taking credit for what Obama put in place. Because when Obama took office in 2009, we were in the middle of maybe the greatest financial crisis in terms of a recession that the, this country and maybe the world has ever known. And Obama, for all of his faults, pulled out all the stops and did what he needed to do to get us back on track. And it took a couple of years, I think mid to late 2010, it started the upward trend. And the downward trend relative to unemployment. The other thing is that let's not be too quick to be taking our victory lap, Donald Trump. Because this meteoric rise in the stock market, this record-breaking stock market that we, we know right now, it's largely based on the promises and the expectation that you're going to pass ridiculous supply-side economics. Reaganomics, trickle-down economic tax reform. And once Wall Street realizes you're not going to do that, shit is going to hit the brakes. It might be slow on the brakes, but there will be a break. There will be a reduction. There might even be, by some experts' accounts, a bubble and a crash of the stock market. Maybe not epic. But there is going to be a market correction. It is going to happen. And if you're taking credit now for what's happening, you goddamn, you're going to be taking credit for it when it fails. That's just the way it is. So, moving on. It's the asshole of today. I guess it's two assholes. It is. It is two assholes. Yeah. You you pointed out Camille. Well, you could just say it. Camille. Okay. <laughs> Don't coach me on the name. <laughs> I know who it is. I'm just usually it's one and I immediately say the one name, but well, I realized it's two names. It's two clips we're going to play. Two separate okay, people. The primary asshole of the day 
is Camille Foster. Camille Foster. The secondary asshole of today is Donna Karen. Okay. Well, Camille Foster is one of the hosts of a podcast that Brittany and I listen to. Brittany more uh, more loyally than me. Yeah, I love it. It's called Fifth Column. Fifth Column. And it has Michael Moynihan on it and Matt Welch. And those are the two I listen for. <laughs> and Camille. Look, I don't hate Camille Foster. Had some things to say about the Harvey Weinstein situation. Well, he's he's first. Let's explain. Let's explain a little bit. I like We the Fifth because it does offer a different perspective, and they're not hateful, knee jerk, jack off conservatives. Matt Welsh is a conservative. He's a little more of a libertarian, a small L libertarian. Michael Moynihan is a. I, I, I think he offers a nuanced view. Of all kinds of world happenings, he understands history. He's a thoughtful guy. We don't always agree. In fact, sometimes more than not, we don't agree. But Camille Foster, I don't know what he is. But he said some problematic things relative to the Harvey Weinstein case that we've been talking about. And the comments that he is you're going to hear are based on what Donna Karen the fashion designer said in an interview on some red carpet event when asked about Harvey Weinstein first we're going to play Donna Karen then we're going to play Camille Foster see the treatment of women all over the world is something that ha has always had to be identified certainly in the country of Haiti where I work uh, in Africa, in the developing world, um, it's been a hard time for women. To see it here in our own country is very difficult. But I also think, how do we display ourselves? How do we present ourselves as women? What are we asking? Are we asking for it? You know, by presenting all the sensuality and all the sexuality? You know, and what are we throwing out to our children today? You know, about, about That's a huge dance, question, how to dance and, you know, how to perform and what to wear. You know, how much do they show? I don't think it's only Harvey Weinstein. I don't think we're only looking at him. I think we're looking at a, a world much deeper than that. In a bigger picture in Hollywood. Yes, I think he's being looked at right now, you know, as a symbol. Not necessarily as him. I know his wife. I think they're wonderful people. Uh, Harvey's done some amazing things. And, you know, I think we have to look at our world and what we want to say and how we want to say it as well. It's not Harvey Weinstein. You look at everything all over the world today, you know, and how women are dressing and, you know, what they're asking by just presenting themselves the way they do. What are they asking for? Trouble. <laughs> so it's weird hearing yeah, that uh, come from a woman. Yeah. Um, well, can can we talk about the two most problematic things? I hate using that word because it's such a um, a weapon of the right. Oh, they problematic, problematic, problematic. But how else would you describe a comment like this? How do we display ourselves? How do we present ourselves as women? What are we asking? Are we asking for it? So she has come out and said, I regret this. 
Which, she didn't sound too regretful at the moment when it was coming right off the top of her head because that's clearly what she really believes. Well, it's like a two-minute monologue that she just went on. It seems like that was from the heart. Yeah. So. Well, it's always this. Every time an apology comes out, it's always they've had some time to think and write. But in the moment, if you don't believe that how a woman dresses contributes to her fucking rape if you don't believe that you don't say it you don't say are we asking for it if you don't believe that that's just not something that's in your fucking head the second thing is this it's not harvey weinstein you look at everything all over the world today you know and how women are dressing and you know what they're asking by just presenting themselves the way they do What are they asking for? Trouble. So luckily, uh, Donna Karen set this up for Camille because he (laughs) agrees. And while they were discussing it on the show, Camille had this to say. I'm just saying it's interesting to me that there isn't there isn't generally also a public moment where someone just says, could you could you clarify that? Because someone might hear this and think that you are maybe suggesting that, I don't know, women shouldn't be sports journalists. Um, Is that what you're saying? It doesn't really happen. And oftentimes I I do find it interesting that so many of these controversies are created later on when someone else who wasn't in the room, um, who didn't laugh along with the joke that was made by the guy from Game of Thrones who is making a joke about his character ripping tongues out of people's heads and raping beautiful women and him enjoying playing that character. And he makes a joke and there's some portion of the population that is outraged that he made a joke about rape. They don't care that he made a joke about ripping a tongue out of someone's head, but rape, you can't make jokes about. I don't know. There's, Uh, I I, I care. I don't, I, I, I don't even know what she said. This is the thing. I don't know what she said. I don't, I don't just preemptively I don't much defending care. it. No, I'm not preemptively defending. I'm suggesting that Donna Karen probably not a fan of people forcing themselves on women. I I presume that that's true. And if she says in addition to that something else, if she has some other broader point that she wants to make about the sexuality of society, she might be wrong. But I'm not sure she is also, in addition to being wrong about the the oversexing of society, if that's what she's talking about. I don't know. I'm speculating here. Um, it doesn't make her a moral monster who thinks that totally fine for Harvey Weinstein to force himself on people. And this is and that's that's all I'm saying, that there are plenty of people who are doing the who are doing the guilt by comment. association thing. But but. Sometimes it's possible the s- skirts are too short. No, oh, it's possible. Comes. No, there I'm not saying that. Boom. <laughs> no, it's not. I, no, it's I'm not. not possible. I'm I'm using that metaphorically. No, I don't not. believe no, that not. that's true. It's no. not a I'm saying it's possible that the skirts are too short. N- not even in Budapest, Hungary, were the skirts too short, no, and they tried, true. man. They fucking tried. They tried. Oh they tried. God, it's I just not, yeah. You might I'm, want. You I'm might just, want just. I'm just we reaching. Were, we had for, a good. We had a good closer like uh, three minutes ago. Yeah. 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 We're gonna. What we're gonna do. And right now, there it was. Maybe Brittany. Sometimes the skirts are too short, and hence the cause of their own rape. So if you are wondering why people don't come out sooner and say what happened to them. 
It's because these things are still being said. Even when you're talking about Harvey Weinstein raping actresses, there is still a discussion about what someone might have been wearing. Even from fucking women. I don't care if Sofia Vergara walks by you in five-inch heels and a teeny tiny bikini. Or nothing else. You don't get to touch her. Yes. You don't get to touch her. That's just, I don't understand why this is like such a complicated thought for people. No, Brittany. Camille says maybe the skirts are too short and that was the cause of their rape or sexual assault. If Sofia Vergara walked, sorry, I'm really enjoying this. If Sofia Vergara walked by you (laughs) in five inch heels and a teeny tiny bikini and was like batting her eyelashes and hey, how are you? You still don't get to assault her. Right. That is how this works. Okay, let let me say this. A short, short skirt, an obscenely short skirt is not consent. Camille Foster. Batting of the eyelashes even, while naked in five-inch heels, is not consent. Camille Foster. Even if fucking Donna Karen thinks it is. It is not consent. Therefore, any sexual activity against someone is assault. And this really frustrates me because this is still ingrained in society. I was just talking to one of my younger students recently about um, the dress code. She's very frustrated with the dress code at her school. And she said that she can't wear... Uh, shirts that show her shoulders, you know, those open, cold shoulder tops, I think is what they're called. She can't wear those because it needs to be like a whole hand length uh, tank top. Because why? Because of boys. Well, I would say this. If that rule isn't the same for men, for boys, that's fucking dumb. But if it is the same and it's just across the board, eh, I have less of a problem with it. She did not say it was the same. Yeah. She said that uh, boys can wear their athletic wear, the, um, their shorts. There is for sure a double standard. And that like the volleyball girls can't wear leggings because that's inappropriate and hugs their body. Well, it's like that case a few years back when they had the, the, the prom or whatever. And the dad wanted the girl sent home because he was too turned on because of the high school girl's dress. What the fuck? Again, again, Camille Foster, it is 2017, sir. Get your shit together. Come correct. Consent is consent. A short skirt is not. Asshole of today. I will give this to him. (laughs) He said that he edits that show. He said it on that show, that he edits the show. He said he doesn't edit it for content. Apparently, that's true. (laughs) Real honest guy. (laughs) He just takes the the heavy breathing out. and. uh, Well, maybe he does have a picture of Sofia Vergara, and there's a lot of heavy breathing uh, on his part. A lot of honesty. (sighs) A lot of honesty. Good times. (laughs) We'd love to know what you think, as always. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you. We appreciate you. 
We are a listener-supported and listener-produced show. And if you are ready to make that commitment, if you're in the position to make that financial commitment to help us out, we would love to have you on board as a member of our Patreon family. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon for a one-time contribution. It's dollamore.com slash PayPal. Of course, you can always buy cool shit on Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon, (laughs) and all the other ways. We love you guys. You are the best. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Click, and you drag, and you delete, and bam, it's all done. (laughs) 